So Chris, who's a friend of mine, he hit me hard. And I said, I gotta hit him at least once. So I won't do this a lot, but look, here's the story. <laughs> the George Washington Bridge. He knew about it. Hey, totally knew about it. From WNYC and New Jersey Public Radio, it's the Christie Tracker. I think my record is a very good one on the Second Amendment. My views changed once I became a prosecutor. Well, listen, first off, in New Hampshire, I'm fighting, no one asked me about Bridgegate. I watched it for about an hour and a half, and I turned to my wife and said, this is a terrorist attack. I'm David First. Later, we're going to be joined by two journalists involved in a war of words over endorsements. Grant Bossy with New Hampshire's union leader and the Star-Ledger's Tom Moran. They've been going back and forth after Tom's harsh criticism of the union leader's endorsement of Chris Christie. We'll bring them together for a discussion on endorsements and the vetting process of candidates. And speaking of feuds, the Christie-Trump battle escalated quickly, as our own Matt Katz predicted last week. These guys don't know how to spar. They only know how to go nuclear. On CBS's Face the Nation this weekend, Christie fired a shot in response to Donald Trump's comments that the country should be profiling Muslims. This is the difference between having experience and understanding how you do this and not having any experience. The fact is we don't need to be profiling um, in order to be able to get the, get the job done here. What you need is a president who's had the experience and the know-how to do this and not someone who's just going to talk off the top of their head. He talked about Trump's call to stop all Muslim immigration on the Michael Medved show. This kind of thing that people say when they have no experience and don't know what they're talking about. You do not need to be banning Muslims from the country. That's a ridiculous position. You know, there are folks in this race who don't care about what the law says because they're used to just being able to fire people indiscriminately on television. <laughs> no, I've been nice to Christie, but he really hit me today. Chris Christie. I mean, I don't know. He's a friend of mine. But he's not doing well in the polls, and he really, really hit me today. There were the claims that uh, Christie knew about Bridgegate and much more. Nine downgrades of the state. Nine downgrades. It's a disaster. I have property over there. The taxes are through, uh, I'll use an expression, coming out of my ears, okay? Then on New Jersey 101.5's Ask the Governor show, Christie insisted Donald was still getting a Christmas card. He's always on the Christmas card list, and he'll continue to be. It's okay. You know, we're running against each other. I don't take any of what he says to heart. So, yeah, that happened. Candidates say a lot of things on the campaign trail, and with Chris Christie running dozens of town hall meetings that last upwards of 90 minutes a pop, he has plenty of chances to make a mistake or say something that is, shall we say, incorrect. And of course, it doesn't just stay in that room, never to be heard again. What happens in New Hampshire doesn't just stay in New Hampshire. Matt Katz covers Governor Christie for New Jersey Public Radio and WNYC and has been compiling a list of the times Christie didn't tell the full truth on the campaign trail. Matt is here now with some of the highlights. Hi, Matt. Hi, David. These candidates are on mic all the time. It is hard to be perfect out there. For sure. Uh, And, you know, so far the governor really hasn't made any major gaffes at all. Uh, despite all the time that he's both talking at town hall meetings and on cable TV and on conservative talk radio. There hasn't been, let's say, uh, you know, a 47% moment that got Mitt Romney in so much trouble in 2012. But it's our job to take a look at what he has said and try to figure out if it's totally true. But what are we talking about here? Are these just simple times that he misspoke, little little slip-ups here and there? What are we dealing with? 
Some of these are repeat offenders that have been cited by other news outlets as false and that he continues to use them. Let's start with the way he uses statistics. I mean, statistics can be any politician's uh, best friend. They can really be used to your advantage. How does Christie use them? One of his most common oft-quoted stats is about his fiscal discipline. We balanced an $11 billion deficit on a $29 billion budget by cutting over 800 programs in the state budget. You would hear that and think, oh, he cut 800 programs to get $11 billion off the $29 billion state budget, which is kind of what he said, which would indicate that he cut the New Jersey state budget by more than a third. But that's not what he did. The $29 billion figure refers to annual state spending, which has actually grown under Christie. We're at $33 billion now. The $11 billion figure is a structural budget deficit that exists every year, regardless of the governor. It's the gap between what the law says the state is supposed to pay for things. It's what basically lawmakers would ideally spend each year on education and what the, for example, the education formula calls for them to spend. Well, luckily, Matt, as soon as you said structural budget deficit, my brain switched right off and you can get away with anything after saying Uh, that. That's right. Right. So he's simplifying it. He's simplifying it. But the bottom line is that structural budget deficit was $10.7 billion and now it's $10.2 billion. He didn't get rid of $11 billion off the books and he conflates things to make them simple, perhaps, but also to maybe accentuate his fiscal conservatism. Okay, give us another example. He says that he doubled the amount of Latino employment in the state government. In fact, the number of Hispanic workers in state agencies increased by about 4%. A Christie spokesman, when Nenjay.com first pointed this out, clarified by saying the appointment of Latinos as judges had doubled. But that's a very, very minuscule part of the workforce. The way our media and political system is set up, there's not a lot of disincentive to give false stats because the fact checkers are not necessarily trusted by conservatives, the mainstream media fact checkers. And by the time the fact checking happens, we're already you know, long past the statement. What about the way he uses language on the trail to uh, sometimes make himself appear more conservative than perhaps his record uh, really backs up? We can begin with Common Core, the educational standards that conservatives despise, that Christie once supported and uh, since changed his position on, he announced changes to Common Core in New Jersey. And this is the way he describes it on the campaign trail. We killed Common Core in New Jersey, and that's why... I believe that these decisions need to be made locally. What you teach in your classroom should be made, those decisions should be made by the teachers, the administrators, and the school board members in your locality. So according to Christie on the trail, he has uh, killed Common Core in New Jersey. He has not. Uh, All he really did was order a review of the Common Core standards by a 94-person committee, which has so far conducted sparsely attended listening tours around the state. Even Christie's own education commissioner said whatever changes are made to Common Core, which likely would not happen until at least next year, whatever changes will be a renovation of the standards, not a teardown. 
Okay, we have to finish with a classic, and uh, this one started when environmentalists taped Christie saying this at an event in New Hampshire. The climate's been changing forever, and it will always continue to change. Uh, does human activity contribute to it? Of course it does. We all contribute to it in one way or the other. By breathing, we contribute to it. Less than four weeks later, Christie is back in New Hampshire. He's doing a town hall meeting, and a woman from that group approaches Christie or raises her hand, gets called on, and says, why did you say that humans contribute to climate change by breathing? Give me my microphone back. I, <laughs> I never... I, I know you really care about this subject, but you know what? The first thing you need to do is not be wrong and not quote me incorrectly. I never said that humans contribute to climate change by breathing. Of course, now, he did say that, and the group turned his two comments into a mashed-up video that has now been viewed more than 200,000 times. Were you there? Oh, yeah, and you heard that. Well, you need to clean out your ears then, young lady. The guy talks a lot. And maybe he said something that he didn't remember saying. Saying breathing contributes to climate change is something that many conservatives say. So perhaps he kind of was getting in a role talking about climate change and and repeated something he has heard before and didn't think it actually came out of his mouth. But I never said that humans contribute to climate change by breathing. Ridiculous statement and never said it. And since we film every one of these, I'd be happy to go back and give you the tape from August 4th so you can re-listen. He seemed pretty defiant about not believing he'd ever said that. Unfortunately for the governor, that video does exist. We all contribute to it in one way or the other. By breathing, we contribute to it. And Matt, this isn't uh, even everything on your list. You have a full top 10 list with a lot more detail at wnyc.org slash Tracker. 10 Christie quotes where we believe he didn't tell the full truth on the campaign trail. Matt Katz covers Governor Christie for WNYC and New Jersey Public Radio. His book, American Governor Chris Christie's Bridge to Redemption, is coming out on January 19th. Matt, thanks again. Thanks, David. See you. This is the Christie Tracker Podcast. I'm David First. So we're taking a few steps away from the main story now, you know, the actual job of covering Chris Christie, the presidential candidate, to focus on a skirmish between two newspapers closely following the governor during primary season, New Jersey's largest paper, the Star-Ledger, and New Hampshire's largest paper, the Union Leader. Here's the short version. The union leader endorsed Christie, a big deal because that endorsement can give a candidate an 11 percentage point bump in the state with the first in the nation primary. Then Tom Moran, the editorial page editor for the Star-Ledger and frequent guest here on the podcast, wrote a piece highly critical of the union leader's vetting process. And Grant Bossy, editorial page editor of the New Hampshire union leader, responded this way. At this point, the Star Ledger is Chris Christie's crazy ex-girlfriend. They uh, they dated him in 2013. They broke up with him last year, and now they're going around town, bad mouthing anybody that uh, he takes out to dinner. That was Grant on MSNBC. Uh, there have been more columns back and forth, and today we bring Tom Moran and Grant Bossy together on the podcast. Thank you for joining us. Okay, glad to be here. Glad to be here. Tom, this started with a column you wrote uh, talking about the union leader endorsement. Essentially, 
You criticized the staff for not doing their homework, for not digging into Governor Christie's track record in New Jersey before making this endorsement. But why criticize another paper's choice for endorsement? They're, they're allowed to make a choice, right? What's, the, what's your beef? Yeah, they are allowed to make a, a choice, and it's unusual. I really hesitated to do it. But when you think about it, why should we have this unwritten rule that we don't criticize another institution in the media? Outside the media, we feel free to comment on everyone's behavior, but usually we don't go inside the media. And this endorsement is a big deal. You know, it could shape who becomes our next president, at least in the early stages. As you mentioned, it's an 11-point bump, and for Christie, that's a big deal, obviously. So I thought, you know, look, it's fair. They, they could comment back, as Greg did with great gusto. The crazy ex-girlfriend thing would have been better as a crazy ex-lover, a little less sexist, but there's some truth to it. I mean, you know, he never returns our phone calls. We complain about that. We keep all the old photos. You know, we accuse him of lying. So in a way, we are sort of ex-crazy ex. And this is a reference to the fact that the paper did endorse him in his re-election bid in 2013. Yes, we did, with great reluctance. The Democratic candidate was weak, and Christie had a pretty good first term. So to me, that seems a very different question than who's going to, whether you'd endorse him now. At this point, you know, at that time, Christie had the support of about 70% of the people of New Jersey, and now that's dropped down to 30. So I guess I would have liked if the union leader had looked a little more deeply into why the collapse of support, why do only 9% of Republicans in New Jersey prefer Christie? And there are good reasons for that, none of which are reflected in the editorial. Grant, uh, in that first editorial, Tom Moran calls you a, quote, very nice guy, but he also says you didn't do your homework. What do you say to that? Well, the last person to accuse me of not doing my homework was my uh, high school uh, algebra teacher, Go Hillcats. We did our homework. We spoke with Governor Christie for hours. We spoke to all the candidates for hours. We've looked into their records as governors and senators, as business people. Look, we have absolutely no problem with the Star Ledger or anybody else uh, calling us out and disagreeing with our editorial policies. That's a a vibrant First Amendment. We're going to spend plenty of time criticizing after this weekend, you know, the New York Times, the New York Daily News, and MSNBC, all of whom embarrassed themselves over the weekend. So, yeah, bring it on, absolutely. But don't claim we didn't do our homework because uh, you didn't like our endorsement. Well, I think that when you talk to Chris Christie about New Jersey, uh, you miss a lot. The one that I guess really got me choking on my cereal to start this all off was that he dealt admirably with Sandy. And it's hard to find someone within 10 miles of the Atlantic coast who would agree with that. The poll shows 60% of people who are affected thinks he's done a terrible job. And then you go on to other stuff, transportation, the state's credit rating, the second lowest in the country, uh, job creation among the worst, home foreclosures. His most significant achievement in the first term, pension reform, has collapsed. None of that is mentioned in here. I think doing your homework to be sitting and talking to Chris Christie about this stuff is um, a little shy of the mark. So he's mad that in our endorsement of Governor Christie, we didn't focus all the things that critics of Governor Christie think is wrong with him. I'm really not surprised. We talked about what we liked about him, not what Tom Moran disliked about him. And we're not really surprised that he's, he's attacking the union leader. This is somebody that doesn't like the New Hampshire primary. He wants us to lose our primary. He doesn't like Governor Christie. So when the largest paper in New Hampshire endorses Governor Christie, it's not a particular surprise that they object to it. But please, don't say we don't know what we're talking about. We looked into it. We came to a different conclusion than you did. Start with the dealt admirably with Sandy. Uh, That was based on his emergency response to Superstorm Sandy hitting his state, and he did admirably in uh, keeping the loss of life down. He was a proactive governor. Uh, I know that many people in our state woke up today to absolute devastation. 
Uh, there are no words to describe what so many New Jerseyans experienced over the last 24 hours and what they will have to contend with over the coming days, weeks, and months. I'll first say to all of you, uh, especially those out there who are facing loss, devastation, and the heartbreaking reality that your home may be gone, we are with you. Now, the program to get people back in their homes is a huge bureaucratic government program. It's a federal pass-through uh, through the state, and I'm really not surprised that a government program has delays in dissatisfaction. It's certainly not the first time that people are dissatisfied with a large government program. Well, the way it worked is New Jersey, the governor hired a firm to handle these uh, recovery efforts that wound up incompetent, and he wound up firing them, and that delayed people's recovery. That was not a federal issue or a you know, government on the whole, it was Chris Christie's decision of who to hire. They fired them and didn't tell anybody. And this is what's been driving me nuts about the whole race. It's not just the union leader. That it's very difficult for each of these papers to scrutinize the record of 11 different candidates, so they're missing a lot. Governor Christie always talks about how important experience is. He keeps saying, you know, we, we don't need another first-term senator. We need an experienced leader, a governor with a track record. You don't need somebody who's just been, you know, blowing hot air about this in some subcommittee on Capitol Hill. You need somebody who's experienced in making decisions, building relationships in the way that uh, that you do as a governor um, when you're in an executive position. So, he, you know, he really invites this detailed look at his New Jersey track record. Can you tell us about your vetting process, how the paper makes a decision like this? Is it exclusively based on these uh, interviews with candidates? Uh, well, we take a look at the entire record. We take a look at um, the person's background, their biography, their priorities, their decision-making, their experience. There's a lot to take in. And our publisher, Joe McQuaid, he's got the, you know, the first vote and, and the last vote, but he, he talks to a lot of people. Um, and the idea that we haven't been paying attention to what's been going on in New Jersey or what went on in Florida or what's going on in Ohio or in Texas and Wisconsin before Governor Perry and Governor Walker dropped out is just ludicrous. We do our job. We take it very seriously. New Hampshire has a, an, a tremendous privilege to have an important role in the nominating process, and we know we're only going to have that privilege as long as we take it seriously, and we do. Um, so... In addition to the candidates speaking to our reporters and our editors for hours, in addition to covering dozens of events when they're here, we look extensively at the record in their home states, uh, and we think that Governor Christie's got a lot to recommend him. We think he's spent a lot of his political capital to try to get stuff done, and that means he's not all that popular at home anymore. We don't care. The union leader does not care about polls. We have never cared about polls. We care about who's going to be the best president and in the short term, who we think will be the best nominee for the Republican Party. Is it important to consider some, an issue, let's say, like the nine credit downgrades on his watch? I, th I think uh, credit is an important thing for the states, and I've spent a lot of time investigating New Hampshire's credit rating, um, its bond ratings, and, and its uh, debt situation. Um, Chris Christie came into office. Uh, New Jersey was a fiscal train wreck. If you think it's bad now, you should have seen it when I got there. Uh, you know, fact is, fact is, in the eight years before I became governor, taxes and fees were raised at the state level 115 times. In the eight years before I became governor, spending was increased 56%. And in the eight years before I became governor, there was zero net private sector job growth in New Jersey. Zero. And, yeah, the train isn't up and running yet. We think what he did with pension reform in the first term was an important step. 
We like the fact that he didn't raise taxes and cripple the economy to do it. So, yeah, if people are very concerned about that and they think that that's the only um, way to go, that's up to them. We think on balance, uh, his record is a, is a strong recommendation. Last week, we heard this story about Governor Christie ending up sitting next to Rand Paul on a flight to Iowa. These are two guys who have just famously clashed during this primary season. Grant Bossy and Tom Moran, I am pulling for a shared flight for you guys in the near future. Uh, Grant Bossy uh, with the union leader, New Hampshire's union leader, Tom Moran uh, with the Star-Ledger. Thanks, guys. Okay, thanks a lot, Dave. Thank you. The Christie Tracker Podcast is a production of WNYC and New Jersey Public Radio. Thanks to associate producer Joseph Capriglione. Our theme music is by 29-Hour Music People. You can subscribe to the Christie Tracker Podcast on iTunes, like us on Facebook, and you can follow Matt Katz at MattKatz00. That's Matt, K-A-T-Z. I'm David First, and we finish today with a few more scenes from the Trump-Christie throwdown. You do not need to be banning Muslims from the country. That's a ridiculous position. You had Christie, you know, so friendly with President Obama during the flood. I actually called. I said, let me ask you, is he going to vote for Obama? I thought he was going to vote for Obama. Boy, that escalated quickly. Boy, that escalated quickly.